0: COVID 19 forced a sudden and significant leap in responsibility for healthcare supply chains across the world when hospitals, clinics, long term care facilities, and even physician offices found themselves on the front lines of the pandemic. You're listening to Industry Insights, a healthcare podcast presented by Novant Health. I'm your host, Gina DiPietro. Healthcare supply chains, which often operate behind the scenes, were catapulted into the spotlight in early 2020 as communities around the world faced patient surges, demand for personal protective equipment, and other supplies. Mark Welch, Novant Health's Senior Vice President of Supply Chain, explains in this podcast what they learned from the experience and what best practices they'll carry forward. Mark, I've heard you refer to the supply chain as a bunch of problem solvers. In a lot of ways, They were ready for COVID 19. It's what they do every day. But what did change was the urgency and the volumes of what supply chain needed to source. Explain kind of what you observed in the early days of the pandemic.
1: So we started putting together what would be the critical supplies. So, what do we need to battle to prevent from getting COVID? And so we did that. And that's a lot of the PPE stuff that you've heard so much about we actually got into a good cadence of what we were doing. And once we got that cadence going, it was just more of how soon, how fast, how much, and then we just continued down that road.
0: Yeah. Let's dive into that a little bit more. You mentioned PPE. So we'll take personal protective equipment as an example. Mm-hmm. You know, Supply chain needs to have a strong understanding of who is using what and how much. So talk a little bit more about the importance of having had those trusted partners across the clinics, whether it's physicians, nurses, or other team members, as you work to figure out who needed what and when.
1: Especially when you look at some protective equipment, when's the right time to use a gown? When's the right time to use an N95 respirator mask? And we teamed up with Dr. David Priest's team, and his whole team was remarkable. They started drawing up protocols when it was proper to have an N95 mask, who had to have an N95 mask, who should be going into the rooms. And that utilization of product really helped. Instead of just masking everybody and gowning everybody, we really went into a conservative state and really thoughtfully put together who needed what. And through their protocols, we were, were able to do that. And another thing, as you know, you may or may not know, we have a lot of contracts and we do a lot of standardization. So when we do a change in our system, we have to do education throughout the whole system. So this new way of sourcing that we had to do during this time period, when our current suppliers couldn't supply us enough product, we had to go get other product. So we had to use a lot of servicing of new products, who could use what, how they would use them. And N95 is a really unique piece of a protection because you've got to be fitted for it. So it's not just like putting it over your ear loops; you're good to go. You actually have to be fitted for it. You have to be tested. And then what causes the problem for us there when we're buying different brands of N95 masks, you got to be fitted for each one. The supply chain team working with the clinicians did a great job in saying, okay, so we have four different N95 resources at this time. And because of that, what we're going to do is we're going to segment what type of N95 goes to what area. That way there was only testing for that N95 in that particular area and it remained consistent throughout the process. And so we didn't have to have a lot of testing. Now, there's some masks that didn't fit everybody's face. So we had to do some exceptions for that, whether it be size, you know, small, medium, and large. There's some that we had to do some pretty detailed manual delivery of product just to make sure the right people got the right product. But for the most part, we were able to segment to different areas of our system, the different masks, and that in itself helped maintain consistency and safety for our patients as well.
0: You mentioned Dr. David Priest, Novant Health Chief Safety Quality and Epidemiology Officer, and how he and the infection prevention team were able to implement those new protocols to help maintain those resources when they were becoming scarce. Do you think that this helped avoid maybe the hoarding or hiding of supplies when people just weren't sure how long they would last?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think everybody just felt comfortable. We didn't have to feel insecure and we didn't have to hoard things. I mean, if our system would have started hoarding things, we probably would have spent three or four times as much. The right product wouldn't have got to the right people. And there probably would have been some safety issues. The fact that we have so much trust in each other and the transparency that Novant has with our vendors as well as with our teammates and our patient, I mean, that's the only way to go. If this happens again, and it probably will in our lifetime, something like this will happen again, we'll be prepared and the trust that we built through the COVID process will lend us well in the future.
0: How did supply chain go about sourcing from new vendors when existing vendors just didn't have the supplies or whatever else was needed at the time?
1: We had a lot of community help. We set up a donation line. We set up emails for donation. We had a team that did a great job of sorting that out. But we also had a lot of people that they had resources that they were importing from other countries and they had connections and they could help us with different things. And, you know, honestly, we was in a situation that we vetted them all. We did end up buying some from areas that when we got the product was a little bit questionable. So we sequestered it. We didn't use it. We had it tested and the stuff that did not meet our quality or did not meet specs, we did get rid of. We weren't randomly just putting things in the hospital. So that took a lot of effort and probably the most uncomfortable thing we had to do was to buy from some of these companies that we've never done business with before. And now we're we're sourcing with them and we're standing in line trying to get product.
0: What did you learn from that experience, kind of having to get out of the comfort zone a little bit and maybe source from companies, like you said, that Novant Health had not previously worked with?
1: Whether it's offshore, nearshore, are onshore. We're looking to try to balance it out. Now, it doesn't mean we want to have a lot of different products and we want to go away from standardization and everything else because standardization is so important and so, so critical to quality and different things. We're being very proactive about where we're getting product and how we're getting product and then how we can ramp up or slow down, whatever the case may be. So it's a constant study. I mean, we're studying our numbers all the time.
0: You mentioned at the beginning of the pandemic, you were getting emails about, hey, I know a guy who knows a guy who can get this. What does the process look like when you begin to vet new vendors or new companies?
1: When they deem some stuff emergency use, you know, it kind of opened the floodgates a little bit on some things that allows you to buy products, maybe from people that you normally wouldn't buy, buy it from. But when we got those products, like I said, We still work with David Priest's team and make sure that the quality was there, that the product was doing what it's supposed to be doing. Because the worst thing we could have done is put a mask on somebody that thought they was being protected and they really were not being protected. So we were very concerned about that. So that's why we did a lot of different testing and and just quality checks.
0: What is the benefit of hiring and retaining employees who have a background not Just in sourcing, but in healthcare sourcing in particular, what would be the benefit in that?
1: Product knowledge, and I'm not saying healthcare is that much different, but there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of variables. You know, a human body isn't specifications. Everybody's different. The willingness of our clinicians to teach us and, and explain to us, because we've been around long enough, what their products they need and how they use them and what's different about this product compared to this product Really helped us out. If COVID would have started and I would have had to go introduce myself to Dr. David Priest for the first time, he would have said, Who are you? You know, what's going on? You know, I've got all these other things to worry about. But since we have a relationship, not only me, but my entire team, it's a phone call. Here's what we see I have this many masks. If we continue on the route that we're going, we'll be out of masks in 45 days she would say, well, what do we need to do? We're using a lot more mask in this area compared to this area. It would be a phone call. What are we doing? And maybe somebody was starting thinking that, well, we got to order up on these. That relationship in itself, it just squashes any type of hoarding. It squashes any type of fear.
0: What other lessons learned could you share about how supply chain leaders can develop and implement preparedness plans, perhaps any helpful technologies or resources that you shared with others or just things that you found that really worked?
1: It's just about people and process and relationship. We can buy the fanciest computer. We can buy the fanciest software. And that's great because you need information, you need data. And we have unbelievably strong data at Novant Health. So, I mean, that made our process easier, but at every level in supply chain, whether it's my role whether it's a vice president's role, whether it's a director role, whether it's a manager's role, whether it is a frontline worker talking directly with other frontline workers, it's about that relationship. And I would say that our relationship and our reputation in our hospital system was strong before COVID. And I think that helped us launch COVID, our response to COVID anyway. And I think it's just gotten stronger I hope that we can continue to have those open conversations. And if something breaks, honestly, if we mistakenly put something in the wrong area or somebody's out of something else, we're not getting calls from the market president. That person on the front line is calling the people they work with every day. And they're solving those problems again every day. And, and that happens. I, I know it happens. But it's how we react to a crisis versus you know how we don't react to a crisis.
0: Gina here, and thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Insights. You can find more episodes under the Industry Insights channel of the Novant Health Podcast family. There's tons of great content there around workforce burnout, creating a culture of diversity and inclusion, price transparency, and even a deep dive into the shift in orthopedics from inpatient to mostly outpatient procedures. Feel free to browse around. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts.